Hi everyone, and welcome to our weekly podcast brought to you by VJ Oncology. Today, we'll be covering our highlights in genitourinary cancer from ESME 2023, which we covered live in Madrid. We will be covering a range of exciting research topics from ADCs in urothelial cancer to the benefits of belzutifat in renal cell carcinoma. To begin, we have Joachim Belmont from the Harvard Medical School in Boston, Massachusetts, who will be discussing findings from the EV302 Kino A39 trial of Enfotimab Vedotin with Pembrolizumab in metastatic urothelial cancer. We know that the immunotherapy is, um, is helpful in our patients, but in general, we can say, like for example, in the Keynote 45, the, the trial of pembrolizumab second line, we saw that only 21% of patients uh, responded, and there was a, a benefit in these patients. So the median duration of response was uh, uh, like 30 months, but we need to build on that. And presently, there are so many approaches trying to combine with other checkpoint inhibitors. So there is a, a, a huge medical need here in order to improve the efficacy of the, what we know the PD-1, PD-L1 or CDLA4 uh, uh, inhibitors, right? We know that there are uh, already trials in bladder cancer that have been using uh, PD-1 uh, inhibitors with uh, CDLA4s with some interesting data, but still we need to do much better. And presently there are several other checkpoint inhibitors, the, the TGIT, the LAC3 inhibitors that have uh, shown some, some beneficial effects in, in melanoma, and also the, the CD40s that enhancers that might improve the outcome outcome of our patients. Also, there are strategies trying to improve the uh, microbiome, and uh, there are trials now uh, using um, checkpoint inhibitors and adding uh, um, therapeutic agents that are, modified, are going to modify the microbiome, looking for an improvement in the responses, uh, survival, and outcome of our patients. Next up, we have Laurence Albige from the Gustave Rossi Institute in France, who reports on results from the LightSpark 005 trial with Belzutafan versus Everolimus in renal cell carcinoma. At this ESMO 2023, I had the pleasure to present for the first time a randomized phase 3 LightSpark 005. This study has been designed to investigate in patients that previously failed at least one VGFTI and one immune checkpoint inhibitor, a new drug, namely Belzutifan, developed initially in VHL-associated disease that is a HIF2-alpha inhibitor. HIF2-alpha is key to the pathology of clear cell RCC. LightSpark 005 randomized those patients heavily previously treated between either Belzutifan or Erolimus as one of our standard of care. Study met its primary endpoint of progression-free survival assessed by blinded independent central review with a hazard ratio of 0.75 favoring Belzutifan and a difference at the 18 months landmark analysis from 9% of uh, progression-free survival to 22% of progression-free survival with Belzutifan. Study also demonstrated a higher response rate with a 22% of objective response versus 3.5 with Everolimus. In terms of quality of life, patient reported outcome used two different scales, both of which clearly favor Belzutifan over Everolimus. With regard to safety, Belzutifan is a new mechanism of action agent, so we have a new safety profile, the first one being anemia, that is really related to the HIF2 inhibition, and that is well treated by EPO. The other side effect being hypoxia, because here again, from a pathophysiology, uh, there is a role of HIF2 in the censoring of hypoxia at the lung level. 
Overall, the study has demonstrated progression-free survival, response rate benefit, and quality of life. The overall survival trend uh, needs further investigation and further follow-up. We do have a numerical difference, but not reaching statistical significance for overall survival. This study is a pivotal study, very likely to lead to a registration of this new agent, Berzutifan, in patients previously treated with clear cell RCC who had at least failed one line, including IO and TKI, or at least two lines in sequence with IO and VGF TKI. Berzutifan is also investigated in earlier setting, including second line in combination, first line in combination, and adjuvant in combination. Following on, we have Arlene Sivkaradka from the MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston, Texas, who presents findings from the four trial of erlotinib in metastatic urothelial cancer. So at this year's ASCO, we are presenting the data from the Norse clinical trial. The Norse trial compares two groups of patients. It was randomized in patients who had cisplatin ineligible metastatic urothelial carcinoma. And patients were randomized to either ertafitinib alone or ertafitinib plus citrilimab, an immune checkpoint inhibitor that targets PD-1 expression on tumor cells. This was a randomized but non-comparative cohort trial, similar to what has been used in other clinical trials, including those with infortimab, venetin, and pembrolizumab. When we enrolled patients on this trial, we saw a very promising objective response rate in both cohorts. In the erdofitinib-only arm, the objective response rate was around 44%. And in the combination arm of erdofitinib plus citrilimab, we saw a response rate around 55%, with an improved number of complete responses in those patients who received the combination as well. So gaining a sense that we're seeing deeper and more durable responses in the combination, combining erdofitinib with a checkpoint inhibitor. This translated to an improvement in progression-free survival as well. With the erdofitinib-only arm, we saw a median progression-free survival of around five and a half months. With the combination arm, we saw a progression-free survival of around 11 months. And overall, this translated to an overall survival benefit of around 16 months for erdofitinib only, and around 20.8 months with a combination of erdofitinib plus citrilimab. So when we look at these results in aggregate, the erdofitinib-only arm is very similar to the objective outcomes that were observed in the phase two clinical trials, which reported a 40% response rate and median overall survival of around one year in previously treated patients. The combination arm looks very promising as well, with an improvement in objective response rate, translating to a progression-free survival and overall survival that I feel is worth further investigation. Finally, with Bradley McGregor from the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, who will discuss findings from the phase one trial of the dual ADC in bladder cancer. When we think about urethral carcinoma, there's certainly been a lot of advancements. And one of the hugest, largest advancements has been the advent of antibody drug conjugates or ADCs, right? And so, infortimabidotin or EV, sazotizumab, gobatekin, and SG, both approved in the US, um, EV based on phase three data, 
SG based on accelerated stutter approval based on phase two data um, and treatment resistant urothelial carcinoma. But these, you know, these ADCs are quite different, right? There's different targets, Nectin-4, Trope-2, different payloads, MMAE, and SN38. And subsequently, there's very different toxicity profiles. Where EV, we're worried about neuropathy, rash, hypoglycemia, SG, more diarrhea, and myosuppression. So the thought is that, you know, there's actually preclinical studies that say, hey, maybe taxanes and we can, can be synergistic. So all that together really is a rational combination, right? We should combine EV and SG, just how we combine chemotherapies together that are not ADCs. And so that was the foundation for that double antibody drug conjugate or the DAD trial, um, where we were looking to, using a phase one Boeing design, you know, look at different dose levels of EV and SG given together to assess the safety and feasibility through assessment of the maximum tolerated dose during cycle one of therapy. So we ended up enrolling uh, 24 patients, 23 of which actually started therapy. And we just took the base patient demographics. These were, you know, standard patients with urothelial carcinoma you see in your clinic. So the median age was 70, ranging up to age 88 years old. A quarter of these patients had liver mets, a quarter of these patients had bone metastases, and only one patient had progressed on just one line of therapy. A majority had progressed on two or three lines of therapy. So in order to get in the trial, patient had to have progressed on both platinum and immunotherapy, or progressed on one line of therapy and be ineligible for cisplatin. So patients were given EV and SG at different dose levels. So dose level one was at, at SG, at eight minutes per keg with EV at one minute per keg, and then dose level two was EV 1.25 minutes per keg with SG eight minutes per keg. And then dose level three, we actually used full dose EV and SG together, right? So SG 10 minutes per keg with EV 1.25 minutes per keg. Paid drugs were given day one and eight of a 21 day cycle with unacceptable toxicity or progression. And so we looked, first step, right? What's the maximum tolerated dose? That's the primary endpoint. So nine patients enrolled at dose level one, eight patients enrolled at dose level two, six patients enrolled at dose level three, of which five were valuable for um, DLT assessments. So in dose level three, there's actually three DLTs, one neutropenic fever, one uh, mucositis, and one delay of therapy. But when you look at dose level one, there's two DLTs, both neutropenic fever prior to having GCSF, and dose level two is actually one DLT, which actually probably doesn't to therapy because it's delayed in therapy due to pembrocolitis. So per the Boyan design, you know, you, the maximum tolerated dose can't have one DLT in eight patients. So the maximum tolerated dose is actually dose level three. So full dose EV and SG. So what that says, wow, we can actually give the maximum tolerated dose of EV and SG together would be the same dose used as monotherapy, which I think is the first step. Look a little bit further at the details. You know, when we enrolled the first six patients, we didn't have prophylactic GCSF with cycle one, um, but subsequently we did as we had two, DL, two neutropenic fevers. And so majority of the patients after the first six did get GCSF. So I think the caveat of the maximum dose is probably with GCSF support. What about toxicities in general? So when we look at the toxicities, there are really no new toxicity signals with a combo compared to monotherapy, diarrhea, anemia, neutropenia were sort of high up there, but we didn't see any increase in neuropathy or any market increase in SG when you look compared to monotherapy. So all that together, you know, what is, what should, what should we be studying further, right? So the recommended phase two dose isn't actually the maximum tolerated dose because 
just because the max dollar dose doesn't mean that's what we need to give everyone. And so as well, I'll talk about the efficacy was quite remarkable across dose levels, but when we specifically look at just safety, uh, the median number of cycles at received at dose level three was only one, so most patients quickly dose reduced. Dose level two, patients went on to get multiple cycles, and given that EV has, has phase three level one data, we really want to optimize that EV dose. So that's why we chose dose level two, 1.25 with eight next period of SG. Question is, does it work, right? And so small numbers, 23 patients valuable for response, but of those patients, 20 to 23 hit any degree of tumor shrinkage on their scans, correlating with objective response rate that was confirmed of 70%. Um, three CRs, only three patients had PD as best response. Multiple patients are still ongoing. Nine of 23 patients enrolled in the trial have responses ongoing with a median follow-up of 15 months. So I think it's really exciting. This is the first trial in any malignancy to show that two ADCs can be given safely together. I think at a max total dose, that was actually full dose of each agent, although that's not what we recommend studying in future studies. Um, I, I think that neutropenia was the main issue. Prophylactin newest should be indicated per guidelines. But I think it's really exciting. We have expansion cohorts in development to further study the DAG combination in the treatment resistance setting, as well as looking to combine that with IO in what we're calling the DADIO cohort of EV Pembro plus SG. Thank you to our speakers and to you for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review and subscribe on your favourite podcast app, including Apple, Podbean and Spotify, so we can continue to deliver our expert-led content directly to you. Follow us on Twitter at VJ Oncology to join in the conversation and visit vjoncology.com for the latest updates in the field.